Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I went to my car and I cried, how are we going to do this? How do we keep our family safe? There's Jesse, Nettles, Purdy, and I'm actually planning a wedding for the goats at Halloween. We're all in the war. We're all in the war now. You know, they're here. We're looking after them, and rightly so. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. I hope it's not a portent of things to come. I said to KC this morning, I said, there's that kind of Wednesday feeling over today. And you said it's Thursday. So I hope I'm going to won't feel it. It is actually Thursday. <laughs> I How hope you, that absolute Morning. Come here to me before we get into anything. Mm-hmm. What is this scam that's going around with your name on it and Ross's name on it? Um, What's the story, lad? So somebody set up um, a fake Facebook page of our show. And uh, they've it's been on the go for ages, but I, I wasn't aware of it because what they do is... Uh, this latter lady or whatever they might identify as has set up a, a fake Facebook page right. uh, with, with our show name on it and it's garnished quite a lot of followers but then they, they find us on Facebook and then they block us so we can't see it or if we're tagged in it if, if our legit pages are tagged in it, it it won't come up so now they have eliminated the kind of paper trail from us to go back to them um, but whoever has set this up um, I'm, I'm getting messages all the time going hey where's that iPhone 14 you promised me and, no. and I'm, I, I thought I won a grand with you um, so what they do is they, they set up a page and they've taken they've hockeyed all the photographs from our, our show Facebook page uh, and made it look Real, yeah, legitimate. It's no, a, I look, I looked at it. Yeah, it's it's very well put together. And we're getting a lot of message from people on all our various channels asking us what's going on. Yeah, it is a scam. Oh, completely, one hundred percent. And just be aware of it. Um, Ross has his own uh, Facebook page that he does all his comedy bits on. I have a show page. It's just Casey Corks ninety six FM. It's got a little blue tick, so you know it's it's actually legit. Um, so just be aware. It's the worst possible thing when I hear about people getting scammed out of anything. Um, but what he's doing is uh, uh, let's presume it's a he is putting up win 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 congratulations to the people who voted we've got special giveaways um, 1000 euro in cash and there's another post about iPhones and there's another post about holidays what they get you to do is he will he'll go into the comments and reply going congratulations Mary right. you've won 1000 euro in order to get your grant follow this link and there's, there's an official website again they all think it's us Right. Uh, they go to this website, they give in their details, and then they're charged a fee to join the page. Ah. Okay, so that's, that's where and they... And that's uh, where they get the money. That's how they're scamming people. And I'd hate to think that anyone has been caught up with this, but I know a lot of people have. So they, they start yeah. looking for money for you to get a prize. To get a prize. in order Which you, we yeah. never do, you never do. That no. would never... It's, it's, again, it's like the banks will never text you for bank details. It's, it's one of those. Um, and the people you need to keep an eye out for, the, again, it, it's people that are a little bit more vulnerable or might not be on social media that long and they, they think everything is real, yeah. everything that they see. Um, so just, just watch out for that. It, it, not just us, I, I believe um, a, a show across the road in, in uh, one of the other radio stations of Cork, a similar thing happened yeah. to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're doing this, they're hockeying pages of baby, basically everyone and anyone. And uh, and trying to get and trying to get people involved. So this is it's, there's probably a network of them doing it. And they draw you to the link. Yeah, you click the link. You think you're 
communicating with the radio station yeah. and before you know it someone's got your money yeah and they've charged you well I don't know what the fee is but it might be 50 quid to join this this prize winners panel or however they're doing it um, so yeah just a little a little bit of a heads up please watch out for that your uh, your official proper page is called what Casey dash Corks 96 FM it has a little blue tick okay, um, okay. so R- R- Ross wants everyone to know and he is a one man sales outfit first of all he says Ross Brown official yeah, it's his only official Facebook page. He also wants people to know he's only got fifty seats left at his opera house gig on February seventeenth. Get out, you messer! He's, he's like, he, honest to God, he is. I mean, he's some salesman. In fairness to him, <laughs> the, the best scam that I ever heard. Um, uh, happened uh, over in America, and like there are scams that happen, PJ, where you go, you kind of go, that's pretty clever. Yeah, you don't want to be the victim of them, but you go, that's pretty clever. A woman put an ad in a paper in New York years ago, and uh, it said, if you want to become a millionaire, um, just just message me, uh, send me ten dollars in the post to this address, and I'll tell you how to do it. Yeah, and she got thousands and thousands and thousands of replies with $10 in an envelope and she just replied to them this is how you do it oh I like that one I don't like that one you know what I mean yes this is how you do it you put an ad in the paper ask people to send you money and you become a millionaire (laughs) genius anyway watch out for those folks please because I don't want anybody uh, anyone getting caught out I'm going to be chased down Patrick Street with people looking for phones off me have you tried by the way reporting this to Facebook or what what I've done is I've I've put up a post about it and I've asked anyone that sees this particular page and I've put up screenshots to report it as fake so hopefully it'll vanish in time but yeah just be wide with with all of that stuff So, 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 so I'm not getting a PlayStation 5 then am I? no you're not Okay. You're, not, you're, you're, you're getting a, a scone and a creamy bun after after midday. I'm messing. All right, Casey, thanks, man. And by the way, Ross only has 50 tickets left for the Opera House in February. All right, that's he. That's keep, another scam. That's another. <laughs> get out before we get in trouble. Good morning at last. 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text, or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Now, I see this, I, if you have smallies, I know Casey has smallies, Emer has smallies, I don't have smallies, but, but I know that over the Christmas we went through a pile of cough bottle in our house. We were, there was more barking going on in our place than there is in a dog kennel over the Christmas period, and we were on three or four different types of cough bottle, and sure, anytime you go out, you get a half a dozen eggs and a cough bottle. It was like that. But the pharmacists are now asking people, don't stockpile Calpol, don't stockpile cough bottle, don't stockpile painkillers, don't stockpile all the stuff that you would stockpile at this time of the year for the coughs and the colds and the snuffles and the snots that are going around. Reading where uh, uh, a Haven Pharmacy, it's in Dulekin, County Meath, as uh, a pharmacist there calling for the minister to introduce a serious shortage protocol that would allow pharmacists to prescribe an alternative medicine when one a GP has prescribed another sort. Well, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. If you get a prescription from the doctor and you go to the pharmacist, the doctor, the pharmacist has to give you what's on the the doctor's docket, so to speak. Um, and if they haven't got it, they can't give you the one that does exactly the same thing on the other shelf because that's not what's on the prescription. They want to change that. That's not a bad thing. But there is a shortage of medicines out there. All kinds of different medicines. Um, asthma medicines. Sharon. Hi, good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. How's Libby? 
Libby, she's not too bad. She's gone off to school. To, she went back um, this week. Now she didn't make it back after the Christmas holidays, where she's gone back now coughing. But that's the norm with the the asthma. Yeah. Um, like last night. Now again, she had a rough night again. Nighttime is the worst. What, what does she take for her asthma? It's an inhaler, um, yeah. She's on two inhalers and she's on um, a tablet she used to take onto bed as well to help her open her tubes. I see. And when she's really, really bad, then she's on the nebulizer. Okay. And just a quick one, Sharon, is the um, asthma, is it on the long-term illness list? So do you get all these stuff fairly easy or you should be able to get all this stuff fairly easy? Um, well, you can, but this winter it's gone hard because whatever's around is kind of attacking this, the respiratory system more. So like like Libby's inhalers, I would normally get a long time out of them, but I've had to increase the amount of puff she's getting now sure, because sure. Um, her chest is getting tight. So we're going through oh, we what we'd normally get out of an inhaler. We're not getting the same amount of time because everything is increased. So you. the demand is, is higher now and this weather now, the damp weather, anybody that is an asthmatic will know it's, it's kind of, it's a horrible it's time. It's horrible, yeah. It's horrible it time. Is, for, I, yes. I, I, I I hate it myself and I've no asthma. Yes. You know, it's a horrible, damp, cold mm-hmm. old time. So she, you, what, you can't get her nebs or you can't get her inhalers? What? Um, it's when you go into the chemist, um, normally you'd hand in the prescription and, you know, whatever, they'd say come back and now it's kind of a case, okay, hang on, we don't know, do we have them? Yeah. And that kind of, that was never a case before. You just put your prescription in, you went off, you did your shop and you came back and you collected them. It sure have to come to asthma, like, so the, yes. you, you, they should be in very, very... And now it's a case of, oh, hang on. But as I said, the demand is so high because I'd say everyone, not like Libby, has increased their puff, you know. And then there's this added um, viral infection that's going around that's attacking the chest, but everybody seems to have it. So I'd say people who were never on inhalers before are getting inhalers now. You're right. You know, so the demand, it's very high. Yeah. I was was Um, given, no, it's not last year. It's not this year. It's last year. I was given one last year by my doctor because I got a particularly nasty chest infection in in May. mm -hmm. And I was put on an an inhaler. And like, I've never been on one before, but my God, they were brilliant. I can't imagine what it was like to to depend on it. Oh, like she can't do it out because she has to take one in the morning. It's, It's a preventative one. It's the brown one. Right. So she takes that in the morning to try and open the tubes and then she takes her blue one after that. So she takes two in the morning even before she goes to school. And she has to have her preventative because that kind of keeps her going some way. Yeah. Because if she doesn't have it, then, you know, the chest will will, will tighten up. Yeah, that's, that must it, be very scary. What age is she? Well, it was, she's eight. Oh, right. she's been diagnosed with asthma since she's three. Now, my eldest girl had it as well, but thank God she's after growing out of it. And there isn't a history of asthma in my family, so the, the two of them just got asthma. There's it's another, there's, unlucky. The, so there's the inhalers are in short supply. Calpol is in short Calpol supply. Calpol is, um, and Benelin. I couldn't get Benelin over the Christmas. Like that now, we were yeah. trying to go to the chemist and, you know, yourself, try treat yourself rather than trying to get a, an appointment to the for, doctor. For what it's worth, Sharon, most of the Tesco's uh, seem to have a drop of Benelin. Yeah, it was like gold dust, yeah. All they had left was uh, bronchi, bronchi stuff, and that's awful, so I can understand why they had that left. Yeah. <laughs> that's very hard to take. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, it's. I suppose we just take it for granted. We'll just go to the chemist and we'll ask for Calpol, we'll ask for... And then when they just say, no, you don't have it, I kind of, oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not... And to be fair, like, it's not their fault. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The supply it's just not, isn't absolutely, there. Absolutely, absolutely. I you mean, know, I know talking not. to Conor Field and the pharmacist, like, yeah. they normally have 
access at their fingertips to several days or maybe even several weeks supply. But it's just not. It's just not coming through now. It's not there, and it, and and it's not their fault. And it's not a case. You know, they're just not giving it to you. They genuinely don't have it. And to be honest with you, in most cases now, as I said, when I did go to the chemist, there was no benilin. There was there was nothing. All they had was bronco stuff left. There was nothing even on the shelf. The shelf was empty. Yeah, yeah. It was just after Christmas and she just, I, like I knew myself, everyone is going in with coughs and colds and yeah. everything. Everyone is. And you're trying to self-medicate yourself because you know the doctors are under pressure. Yeah. You can't get an appointment. So go. if you can go and try to do it, you know, but you, you can't self-medicate yourself no either because it's not there. It's not there. I mean, McKinley shouldn't either. Could it be, you know, you be, be, want to be careful about it too because I know that I read somewhere where they now call Calpol liquid heroin for kids like you wouldn't yeah. want them to be getting too fond of it either the calpol and the nurofen do you know no 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 which see yeah was, you know it's just they won't, they won't sleep and they're shivering and they're coughing like you're going to give them something well that well, when you do ring south docs that's what they'll say to you you know give them calpol give them nurofen you know they're they're the main two and now they're kind of they're short. Well, I can't give Libby Norfin anyway with her asthma. Yeah, um, I forgot that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she can't have Norfin because it triggers the asthma. I, I, I um, so, and asthma don't go well together, yeah, no. So I am dependent on Calpol for her. I see. I see. You know, I can't, like, she's too young for Pandol or anything like that. So it's just the, cal, um, the Calpol tablets. It's the six plus I give her and they're very hard to get. All right. All right. All right. Listen, Sharon, leave it there. Thank you. Our best to, to Libby and to any other child like it or adult like it if you can't get your medicine at the moment it must be very hard like my my young fella has a, a prescription for he has a mild form of epilepsy now thankfully there's plenty of it out there but I can't imagine what it would be like to not be able to get something as simple as daily medication you take for asthma or daily medication you take for um, what did I say epilepsy or anything like that but there is a shortage but on the other hand we're being told by the pharmacists then don't stockpile. But if you're a, a a parent of a child with a sick kid or a child who's under the weather or God knows two or three small children and they're bringing snots and colds and sniffles and coughs into the house, sure you're going to be there in Tesco's and you're going to be there in Dunn's or Super Value or wherever they happen to stock them on the and you're going to pick up Benelin, you're going to pick up there's a le- very good Lemsip cough bottle, you're going to pick up a bit of Calpol, you're going to pick it up, you're going to put it in the basket. Just to have it in the press, particularly when it's short. Oh, geez, I could run to that. They're telling us not to do that at the moment. They're telling parents not to do it, but you can't blame parents who would, can you? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Are you having trouble finding stuff for the smallies? Uh, are you in a situation like Lib- like Libby is, where she needs her medicine every day and she can't get it, or is it just that you can't get? And by the way. I didn't get a chance to check this before I came on air this morning. But I do know we make a shed load of medicines in this country. We make and produce them. Or is Calpol an Irish product? Because I know we make loads of paracetamol in this country. Paracetamol tablets. But is Calpol an Irish product? Or it's made? Or if it, And if it is, why is it so hard to get? 0818-969696. Mick was on to say that a truck going westbound at the tunnel is now blocking the tunnel, blocking one lane. Uh, traffic is affected in the other one for some reason. Uh, there are parents out there who, who kids will ask them 
for Calpol. Now, if you are being asked for Calpol by a four-year-old or a five-year-old and you're shoveling it into them, then maybe you're the problem, not the child. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 Right, on Twitter, it's there's an incident with an overheight vehicle at the entrance to the southern bore of the Jack Lynch Tunnel. Tunnel operators are on site, and that's uh, coming on Twitter in the last while from Cork Traffic. All right, thank you for that. Just be careful of it. We have a voice note on the KC and Ross scam page that is out there. Voice notes are a great way to join our conversation. You can do so anytime you want on WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Let's see what this one says. The situation you're talking about, about KC there right now, is when someone goes to the page and put the details and ask for a small fee, it's not uh, the fee they're looking for to make money. They're looking for the details actually where they can sell those details. And when they are putting a payment method there as well, and they are paying for something, they're putting their card number. They're giving the card number and the details to the scammers. So the scammers can sell it in the dark uh, web for some money as well or use it to purchase online because if you make a purchase with the full address and the card it's gonna look like genuine transaction i see what you mean good point and thank you this is a fake page this casey and ross page going around giving away iphones and playstations and money it's fake and do not chase it down and whatever you do do not put any information into a link. We would never ask you for that. The lads would never ask you for personal information. They would never ask you for a fee, anything like that. So if, if, if you're in, if you're seeing this page and you think it's genuine, it's not. It's a racket. And as that message there says, they're, they're actually trying to get your information to sell it to other scammers. Uh, on the dark web. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. So earlier in the week, first of all, Fiona, thank you for holding on with this. But earlier in the week, I was talking to Quiva. There was a report which we read out about bullying. And it was done in America. And they said that 80% of women who had been bullied in the workplace were actually bullied by other women. We were discussing that statistic with Quiva and discussing the topic of, of Quiva's works in HR, work, the, discussing the topic of bullying in general, bullying in the workplace in general, and bullying anywhere, I guess. It's, it's all wrong. And after the show, we were contacted by Fiona. And Fiona, you have your own bullying story to tell. And, and it, it, it did you harm. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, I have. I, I felt when I was listening to uh, it just brought it all back to me. And I'm usually not a person for, you know, for going on radio or anything like that. But sure. I just felt it had if it was something that had to be said, yes. even though it's in my past. I know it's still going on and it's so important for the stories to be out there because the people that are being bullied don't have any recourse to fight for themselves because they're usually in a position of uh, vulnerability that they're, it's either their boss or they're somebody in power. Yes. Power is the big word. Yeah. 
So that's why I felt I had to contact you about it. Power is the bully's currency, as they say. Now, it was in retail. And, and what happened and how did it start? I was 17 years in working in retail. And I can honestly say uh, I, I loved this uh, to a certain extent. There was always... There was always a, an, an attitude in retail, and I think it's in in every retail store that, because I know a lot of people in retail. But I, I liked my job up to a certain extent. I was very good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, customers, I got on extremely well with customers and everything. So, I mean, I wasn't uh, a young, vulnerable uh, teenager. Mm-hmm. I was a grown married woman with a grown up family. Mm. You had a bit of life experience under your belt as I certainly did and I had a huge life experience of dealing with with people and customers and loved the the fact of working with people and all that. But it started it it there was always an element of it in, in retail. But you could get over it mm. if that's the word. But then all of a sudden it's it changed with this one person. This was one person who arrived into your workplace. It was one person. Uh, it was a she. You were talking uh, on your show about women bullying women. Yes. I totally agree with this. Women can be... Uh, women that has that, that are not confident in themselves, but they have the power over somebody else they can be so, so nasty. Yeah. And this woman was, I would go so far as to say she was evil. Now, how did it affect you? It affected me in the sense that it went on for about four years, four or five years, and I I battled it out. But it affected me so much that I, I, I ended up not being able to go to work. I I used to cry going into work every morning. Mm. My husband was out of work in the sense that he was disabled. You know, he had had health issues. So he used to drive me to work. So I was the sole earner. And I had no way out of the situation. I was being bullied every, intimidated every single day. Were you being singled out or was this a general trend? Uh, a few of us. Uh, there was about three or four of us in the store were were singled out, and it ended up every single one of those people left. Right. Bad one. And Quiver was saying that micromanaging is a lot of it, and and that's what happened, was it? This this woman, she she arrived in the store, and she just took over. She was. She wasn't. She wasn't the store manager, hmm. but she still had the power over certain over over me. Anyway, yeah. was she nasty to you, or was she? Oh, she was absolutely horrible. You, I wasn't allowed to go for. Well, now this is a rule kind of for everybody, hmm. but you weren't allowed to have water, a bottle of water, or anything on the checkout. You you had to go to a water fountain for to get a drink of water. So you had to ask permission. Right. So she wouldn't give you permission. It's far too busy. Wait. She'd give somebody else 
permission to go, where she wouldn't give me permission to go. I see. Same thing with, you had to ask permission to go to the bathroom. Yes. Even even if even if there was nobody in the store, you still couldn't get up and go. You you still had to ask permission, you know. And it ended up affecting your health. It ended up that she would stand in front of the checkout and kind of stare at us and watch us, intimidate us all day, and then you'd make a mistake. You know, you'd you get with the intimidation, you find you might make a mistake. So you might be maybe a five euro out in your tail at the end of the day. Yes. So if you were under or over a euro, you were pulled up to the office and given out to. That was just a basic rule, but she enforced it then constantly, and she caused it to happen because she intimidated you all day. But what I used to do, PJ, was I used to write down in the back of the till receipt. Before the, the till receipts are, are printed, there's no writing on the back of them. Mm. And I used to use them. And I, I, just looking up the other day, I came across all these notes that I wrote. And I was crying in every single one of them. I was in pure agony about work. I guess kind of, even now I'm out of it and finished with it, I yeah. ended up having to to leave right. given my resignation because my health went completely down. I ended up with my whole system went down. I got a complete breakdown. Uh, I can I, hear I can hear the shake in your sorry. voice as you tell me. that, that That's, yeah. I ended up almost with sepsis. All my all my body started to shut down. My doctor was begging me for weeks beforehand. She was saying, please give it up. Please give up this work. She wrote to the company. She wrote to them. And Fiona, did, did you have any support with management? I mean, did you make complaints no, about this person? absolutely not. Oh, complaints. I I have letters that I sent in with complaints, and then I went out sick. My doctor persuaded me to to go out. You know, you have to. I'm signing you off work, and and with the result, when she signed me off work, I said I can't come out of work. I'm not allowed to come out of work. I was in an awful state, and oh if I'm if I'm out of work for any more than a day, I'll be you know get into trouble again, and I can't come out of work and. I actually physically got sick inside in the doctor's office, being honest, all because of this bullying. And I, I, when I said it to the store manager, I, I wrote a letter because I was too nervous to speak. And I wrote him a letter and he called me up to the office and he said, there's no bullying in this store. And he, you know, bullying is a very strong word, which he informed me but I found out that it is a very strong word because it is a strong word but says you you try to be on the receiving end of it pal you know yeah exactly but you find I think you find that when people are being bullied to that extent you can't prove it you there's an awful lot to you know who's going to be believed and the person that's bullying can be so manipulative that they know not to break the rules as yeah. such. They know how far they can go and they, they know yeah. exactly. Yeah. And this person never broke the rules. 
So I was fighting a losing battle. I know. You ended up leaving. Your your health collapsed and you ended up leaving. My health collapsed. I ended up in hospital. But when I went out, came out sick first, every single day when I was at home, I was I was at home. I was under my doctor's care and uh, they mm. rang every single day looking for confirmation to know when I'd be back. Wow. When I was coming back to work and when I was coming back to Dublin, you, you were know. getting you were getting no support at all in there. No, in the end, in the NPJ, I ended up in hospital, wow. and I was still getting the letters from the thing. My husband went down to, to the, and spoke to the manager and said, "Leave her alone. She's she's out sick. That's all you need to know, and she's recovering." My goodness. And you're tough. not helping her recovery, so. My goodness, my goodness. But always... This person, it ended up, PJ, that I ended up in hospital, and this end, person ended up just being transferred to another store. Have you come across her since? Yes. I I came across her. I was in a, in a, a shopping mall one day, uh, sitting down having a coffee with my husband and my my daughter. And she came towards me and she said, hello, like as if I was her friend. Yeah. And I I stood up and I said, how dare you? And I nearly, my husband said, come on, come on away. And, and I, you know, she, that was her mocking me again. Oh, you know, as much as after all of that, she thinks she can say hello to me and I was long gone from the, from the place that time but I'm just saying PJ that people who are suffering bullying they have no way out because they usually are the people that are, are bullying them have control over them plus the bully knows to identify the person who is vulnerable and knows how to, yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. I'm so glad you called. Uh, I'm sorry that you're upset. Thank you. No, no, I, I think, I, I, I said to myself, I, you know, I'll ring PJ and I'll talk to him and as far as I'm concerned in, like I, I used to always say she won. But I think now she didn't win. I'm still here and I'm very, very happy. Good I don't know I'm upset. I'm upset now, but my life has changed dramatically since I left. Good. And that's all I'm saying to people. Get out of that situation wherever you are. You think you can't get out, but please, please try and get out of that situation because it can actually kill you. I ended up with sepsis. Well, Fiona, thank you so much for for calling and and for telling us this story. I really do appreciate it. And, you know, I think it'll probably identify with a lot of other people. Maybe it'll identify, maybe someone who's in a situation like that will identify with it now. and, And they'll take from you, if you like, an inspiration that you can get out. I hope so, PJ, because that is the only reason I'm ringing you. I want to put closure to my past because it is in the past. Thank God it's in the past. But I'm just thinking of other people. I know they're there. I know they're out there and they're suffering the same thing in retail. It's, It's rampant, rampant in retail. And it's not just one company. 
it's all of retail for some reason. It's it's a bad workplace to be in if you are vulnerable like that. Fiona, thank you very much. And have a good day. You're welcome. God bless. Thank you, Fiji. Thanks for listening. And thank you for, for telling the story, Fiona, because it's a difficult story to tell. It triggers difficult memories. And as someone, I think I've, I've said this before, I was bullied myself in school. And only a number of years ago, uh, something happened at a gig I was involved in. Uh, there was a disagreement. It wasn't my fault. It had nothing to do with me. But the disagreement started in my company. And I had one person shouting on one side of me and another person shouting on the other side of me and one of them was blaming me for something I had no part in and within seconds click I was back in the schoolyard I was 14 and I was terrified so that's what it and that's why it's so brave Fiona is so courageous to come forward and tell us that story because it triggers all those feelings. So I hope she's okay. Go and have a cup of tea and a bicky for yourself. Um, and and thank you. There's a trade union on the North Main Street over Kelleher's newsagent. They're really fantastic for representing workers in bullying cases. They're absolutely fantastic. I went through something similar to Fiona and they knew exactly what to do and how to deal with management. It was sorted out without a court appearance and to my satisfaction. I think that is the Independent Workers Union. That place over Kelleher's newsagent used to be the headquarters, if I remember rightly, rightly of a, 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 a union called the Cork Operative Butchers. That's going back a bit. But I think of late, Noel Murphy was the fella. The Independent Workers Union. Is what's there over Kelleher's, over that newsagent. And Noel Murphy is a fellow you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't mess with Noel Murphy if you were a manager. No, you wouldn't. You're dead right. The problem is with that, they have to recognise a union. And, and lots of places don't. But thank you for that. You could win a 100 euro penny shopping voucher. 100 euro. With Cork's 96 FM. To do is take our 10 minute music survey. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Take the survey for your chance to win a 100 euro pennies voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or see 96fm.ie. This has come in on WhatsApp voice note. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a truck. Too high. It's been pulled over there for the past half an hour. There's murder around the place. You think he had more sense after all these years? He's way too high anyway. That's Tom. Thank you, Tom. 0818 96 96 96. So there's a truck stuck. It was too high and it got stuck. And there are warning signs. Tom is right. There are warning signs and warning sensors to stop. Anyway. 0818-969696. Now, Brian McCarthy will play your audio in a little while. Brian from the, the Cork Rooftop Farm. But you found Cork represented brilliantly in a place with absolutely no connection. <laughs> Great story. Morning. Yeah, no. It, it, how are you doing, PJ? Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was uh, quite the shock. I... I uh, it was it was last June actually when I, I made the, the discovery. I was travelling as part of a group of, of farmers. We were travelling um spent a month travelling the world actually visiting farms and researching farming 
and we were in a, a beautiful farm shop called Susie's Farm in a place called Alton on the border uh, of the Netherlands and Germany and going in for a bite of food, walked in nonchalantly, sat down, looked up and what faced me but a 40-foot long mural of the north side of Cork. <laughs> and Yeah, and um, it's not what you expect to be seeing when you're sitting down for lunch on the Dutch-German border. Really, oh, it but sure isn't. No, no, but uh, it was a pleasant surprise. And, you know, I'd been travelling for for probably two and a half, three weeks at that stage. It was kind of, you you become to miss home a bit. So it was... Uh, it was, it was very random and it was a very pleasant surprise. I was travelling with six Australians, a Brazilian, a Chilean and another Irishman and I sat down with them at the table and I kind of just shouted out, that's Cork, at the top of my voice in the thickest possible Cork accent I could have. Yeah. And they all just burst out. Um, but it was, um, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, and unfortunately on the day, the, the owner of the premises wasn't there. It was She... she uh, she was out sick, but we, we were given the tour by w- one of her uh, staff, so they didn't know the reason or the background story as to why they'd covered this massive wall with the mural. But um, I, 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 I will get to the bottom of it at some stage. Well, uh, there, there's a thing now. I mean, I'm minded here to get the details of the place off of you. Yeah. Because <laughs> it is... and. Well, play the audio from, from your Instagram in a minute, but, like, there's Bell's Field is in there, and it's this is yeah. a properly, professionally taken picture, or several pictures, I think, by the look of it, Brian, really wide oh, angle, yeah. really yeah. high detail. Yeah, I, Re- it, I mean, it's Professionally it's produced, like. Yeah, it's a beautiful kind of nighttime panoramic view of the north side of Cork, and it's it's that kind of iconic... Uh, scene, I guess, from say, like you know, from the Green, that you know, the Young Offenders movie, where you're looking out at the North Cathedral, the Shandon Bells, North Side, down onto the city, um, out the Riverley, it's out the fields, it's 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 a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful cityscape, and it portrays the city, you know, in a quite a, a, a beautiful way, and to have it. Um, you know, muralized on the side of a on, a, on this kind of agricultural building in 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 the middle of the Netherlands and, and the German border is just uh, it's both bizarre and brilliant at the same time. And it, did it take you a couple of seconds to click? What you uh, well, like, <laughs> it's pretty. You know, it's, it's one of those views that if you're from Cork, it clicks with you pretty quickly. But it was. It was kind of, why am I looking at this? Um, <laughs> you know, and how is it here? Um, but it was brilliant. And it's, it's you know, it, it, it fits in beautifully in, in the room. And, um, yeah, it was great. It was, it was, it was a lovely, lovely uh, touch of home on, a, nice. on, a, on, a, on the trip that I was having. And just in case anybody who's listening has not seen the video, I'll play the audio in a while again there. But the name of the farm shop was... Susie's Farm. Susie's so, yeah. Farm. And it's and in, and Alton. the place is Alton. Is it yeah, Alton? in the Netherlands. Yeah, Alton. A-A-L-T-E-N. Alton, so it's, um, in the Dutch, yeah. ger- on the, around the Dutch-German border. Yeah, yeah. So it's... it's um, Could you get any I mean, more random like, Brian? 
I don't know. Maybe we should have more murals of Cork scattered all over the world. I think it would. Wouldn't uh, it be great? Yeah, we're yeah. going to put that video up on our Twitter at Opinion Nine Ninety Six. We'll put it up there in a few minutes so people can can watch it and maybe you see this is the kind of if, if randomly you look up from your coffee and you go that's Cork yeah somebody <laughs> I'm telling you someone knows the story somebody uh, yeah, knows the story and there's, we'll, this is more than just there's, there's we'll have to find that Oh, we're going yeah. to take that on as a take that on as a, as a mission, Brian. I'd say between us, you know, we have <laughs> to find that. Here, here's yeah. the audio from from your video, just before I let you go. So, I'm in uh, a farm, shop, restaurant, pub place in near Alton, near the German border in Holland. Uh, we came in here to have a look at this beautiful room. Uh, I sat down right here on this chair. I looked up, and what did I see? Wallpapered along the wall with the city of Cork. <laughs> so, for those of you from Cork, you'll understand the geography from those of you who are not from Cork. The rooftop farm would be located about there on this. So this is the north side of Cork. That's the North Cathedral, and we're on the German border I don't know, there must be a story behind this, why she, Susie, has a, a photo of uh, Cork City on the wall, but there are Shandon Bells, you can see that from our rooftop as well. So yeah, a bit mad. We'll have to get to the bottom of this between the two of us, Brian. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, 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 uh, we'll put the, uh, the head down now and try and track down Susie and figure it out. Um, How, how's the farm going? I know it was a, a lockdown project for yourself and, and Tay. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's going great. I mean, we've um, we've 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 big plans for 2023 now. We reopened the shop there about 13 months ago, and it's been you know going really well for us yeah. there on the Corky and nice um, coffee, seriously nice yeah. coffee. <laughs> and um, yeah, and we're 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 hoping to open up the rooftop now in the next couple of months to the public, and we're also putting a restaurant in on the rooftop. Oh, so we'll have a kind of a farm to fork offering there, right in the heart of the city, and. Um, I'm here now in the Imperial actually this morning um, with with a lot of people who are involved in food in Cork and we're all putting our heads together about the best way to drive forward, you know, tourism and food in Cork. Fantastic, um, fantastic. So, yeah. well, well, we'll talk again. That's It's a lovely project you got going on there, the Cork Rooftop Farm, but what a random thing to find in a farm shop, Stoke Cafe, Stoke Bar, Stoke Kitchen in Alton, on the Dutch-German border, or near the Dutch-German border, Susie's farm, with a massive, high-def mural of the north side of Cork City. Like, how random and cool is that? Does anybody know? Has anybody ever been there? Can anybody help us and tell us what exactly this is all about? Live free in 23. Oh, my God! With Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always. Spending money. Right. Courts 96 FM. More details of what's in this massive prize package. There's a 2,000 euro holiday, a 1,000 euro worth of fuel, shopping in the supermarket, 2,000 euro to spend on computers and electrical stuff, a credit union account with your name and a grand in cash inside in it, concert tickets, 500 euro for takeaways and fashion stuff and beauty stuff. It all starts Monday. We'll ask you to text or WhatsApp. And then if we call you back, you need to answer your phone 
with the winning phrase, I want to live free with Cork's 96FM. That'll get you into the grand final. You need to be over 18 to enter. Uh, T's and C's available at 96FM.ie. It's live free in 23 with Cork Credit Unions here for you always. Only on Cork's 96FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. A lot of people are very, very, very taken with Fiona's story on being bullied in her workplace and it eventually got so bad she got sick she ended up in hospital she ended up on the verge of sepsis she she couldn't actually physically drive herself to work uh, she was so upset every day so her husband had to drive her in and out to work and it was went on for a number of years eventually she just had to quit the job a job that she loved and a job that she'd done for for 17 years it happened a, a number of of years ago. I feel for the woman you were interviewing about bullying at work. I went through a similar situation. Not as serious. Bullying in the workplace can be so subtle. And as your caller said, management have false promises of support but they simply will not question their own. Like, they won't question another manager. Oh my God, that poor woman. I know exactly how she feels. I was in a job I loved for years. I was bullied uh, by a co-worker, a male co-worker. I reported it to the person in charge who then began to bully me. My health suffered, so I left a job I just loved. It still upsets me to this day. My boss at the time then tried to say hello to me several times since. I just ignore him. I think, what a cheek he's got. Catherine says, what a brave lady, Fiona, to tell her story. She'd make you cry. But fair play to her for taking control. Yeah, she takes control and she owns her own truth now, as it were. That's a very common phrase at the moment, but it applied to people who kind of don't deserve to have it applied to them and all of that. But I think in Fiona's case, it's absolutely true. Yeah, that, that trade union on North Main Street is, if I'm correct, the independent workers' union. And that premises is the former premises of Cork Operative Butchers Society, which was an old butchers union back in the day. Yes, butchers had their own union uh, years enough years ago in Cork. I remember a strike, actually, by the Cork Operative Butchers Society, which has absolutely nothing to do with where I'm going now, but it's a very tenuous link because I am actually going to a butcher shop. I'm going to chat to Patrick O'Flynn from the famous O'Flynn's Butchers downtown, which is closing at the end of January uh, after 120 years in business. Now, that particular shop has been there since 1981. Uh, Flynn's Butcher Shop. Before that, it was many, many other things. But I always thought, Patrick, since I'm old enough to go to town on my own, that shop has always been your butcher shop, but it had a, a huge and colourful history before that. Morning. Good, uh, morning, PJ. How are you? Delighted to talk to you. I'm delighted to talk to you too. As you were talking about uh, the shop, the shop has a fantastic history. It was built roughly in the late 80s, and the original owners were Cunningham's the pawnbrokers. Yeah. Now, Cunningham's the pawnbrokers, uh, I, I can't say this is true, but rumour has it that James Joyce's 
another father or grandfather pawned his ta- false teeth in um, in Cunningham's the pawnbrokers at one time. James Joyce's false teeth. <laughs> Imagine that's the, that rumor has it. Put it like yeah. that. And we then like it became rumor. Pickett's the wig makers and hairdressers. Right. Then just Fallon's the bookshop. You might have remembered Fallon's. No. Although you're only half my age, but anyway, to the bookshop where you got your school books. And then in 1980, when there was a fire, a devastating fire in the market. Yeah. Uh, Fallon's bookshop sold up and we came to this premises at that time. Yeah. So that was in 1980 stroke 81, so we're here for 40 odd years. Yeah. But um, we're in business for an awful lot longer than that. Yeah. Because <clears throat> our grandparents started the business in the market oh, all that time ago. Then my father opened his first stall in the 80s. I see. Sorry, in, in, in the what am I talking about? In, the, in about 1940. I see. Uh, uh, sorry, I was put off by a customer okay. coming into the shop. And um, uh, then, like, we started, my brother and myself, Simon, who's, uh, whose birthday was yesterday, mm-hmm. whom he might like his age to be known, but he's four years older than me, and I'm 78 next birthday. Good for so, you. It's and carry, for- from the last time I was in there, you're carrying it very well, both of you. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Arthur Guinness might have a little hand in that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this, this, it's a, it's a. I read a beautiful piece in the Examiner by, oh, by, by Richard Richie, oh, Well, Richie Hogan's article sums the whole thing up. He couldn't have got it better. It's lovely, and the stories and the history, okay. and, and the fact that it's not just about. Meat. It's not just about chops and sausages no, and steaks. No, no. It's about the customers, and it's pure corkness of it. Oh, it is, he captured it, it, in it. It, is, it, is, it is. You see, we had hard times and we had good times, and the good times outweigh the hard times. An awful lot of the customers became our friends, mm. and we've seen a lot of their kids go on to fantastic things. I'll give you one instance now. Peter O'Mahony's granny is scumming here. Yeah, really? And Simon Zebo's father used to come in there. And he used to always say to, 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 to granny, to Peter O'Mahony's granny, someday he's going to be captain of Ireland. Oh, she said, I prayed to say that, and he said, won't be. But anyway, he, he's, he's, he's like, they, they are some of the famous people we meet. Do you know what I mean? We meet she, every, must, have been, every... she must have been giving him the, the steaks and the chops. Oh, and he was, was eating them raw to build them up. <laughs> she was. She fed him well. And the same with the Zebos. Like, they're all very nice people. And we're very lucky that way that we dealt with very nice people all the way along. You started doing this job, Patrick, when there was no such yes. thing as a butcher having fridges. Oh, no. You no, know, there were no, no. there were no big fridges. So, no. And you used to deliver the meat you no. know, in a, on a bike. Did That's you right. Did you do that job? Oh, we did. You see, you see, there was a, the, the messenger boy was, was the key man in any, uh, in any butcher shop at that time, you know, with a messenger boy's bike. And you see, Cork is so hilly, you couldn't load the messenger boy's bike up if he had to go up with uh, St. Luke's or Sunday as well. So then we'd be called in to deliver parcels up in St. Luke's, about three or four of them, on a, a rickety old bike, or up to Sunday as well, up the hill. You'd have to push the bike up the hill and you could freewheel down. You know? But you were there were days that we'd say, you're too young to know this, but 
every household went home for their lunch or their dinner at one o'clock. That's right. So the meat had to be there for the dinner for one o'clock. So if the messenger boy didn't turn up, you were hauled out of school, brought in, make sure you deliver that before 12 o'clock. Because that was a time when people did. They, they downed tools wherever oh, they, they were working. They, did. they downed they tools. Did. They, they walked did. home or they cycled home. They did. Had the, the full dinner in the middle of the day there you and go. walked back to work. It is. And, and the other thing about it, your dinner was put in front of you. You either ate it or you didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was no menu. <laughs> no menu. And the thing was, uh, in those days too, you know, things, I mean, uh, I'm only reminiscing now because things have changed so drastically. We say everything was mapped out. You got your roast on a Monday, Sunday, cold on a Monday, yeah. soup on a Tuesday, bacon on a Wednesday. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Nothing on a Saturday because your mother went to town and did all the shopping. Yeah. So to aid, uh, it was all, you know, we grew up in it and we just, but things got better and better and better, I have to say, and things today are an awful lot easier because we have all the equipment, we have machinery, we have, do you know what I mean, we have cars, we have vans. You can deliver it anywhere you like. I have a lovely childhood memory and I'm sure that she would have bought it in your place just like she bought it anywhere else. My mother would make soup oh, yeah. from big old bones. <laughs> Big there old bones that you'd get in the butcher and you'd boil the life right. out of them. That's and the correct. smell in the house was <laughs> awful, but the soup was mm. only gorgeous. Yeah. Well, we were lucky enough to have a range and everything went on the range. And there was a pot in the range all the time. And, of course, the range wasn't lighting. There was no hot water. Mm. <laughs> so, anyway, we progressed fantastically from that. Yeah. But I must thank all our very loyal customers who have been fantastic to us. Yeah. All the people of Cork. Who, who who supported us all down the years and still are supporting us. And business is quite buoyant and quite good at the moment, but the time has come for us to make up our minds in case anything happens to the two of us. Well, I think None of our family I think at 78 and 82, you're That's entitled it. to relax a bit, you know? I think so. I think so. I'll have more time to listen to your programme, of course. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, PJ... Is there any more I could say to you? No, I think you. I think the people would say to you, Patrick, and to, and to your brother, yeah. thank you. Ah, oh, well, <laughs> you see, there is also our staff. Tom Collins, Jackie Farvey. We could not have done it without them. Well, the, you've you done, know, they were fantastic to us. You've, you've, done, you've done wonderful things for Cork for, for all the years you've been there and your dad before you. Yeah. Thanks a million, PJ. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks for your kind words. And the best of luck to you. Yeah. And I will, <laughs> I will listen to you. And you're closing for the last time on the 28th. 28. 28. We're gone to the hills oh, or to the pub or no, somewhere else. And not gone on that rickety bike either. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Anyway, PJ, thanks again very much. The best of luck to you. Take care, Patrick, and the best of luck in your retirement to yourself and, and to Simon 78 and 82 and Simon's birthday was yesterday and now they choose to retire isn't it wonderful and listen to him, he's as fresh as a daisy emotional I think as, as they prepare to close their, their shop and that's, it's, I would recommend it, we might share that actually that's, a, that's a, it's just a lovely lovely piece in the examiner yesterday, Bio had a piece too but lovely piece in the examiner by Richard Hogan about the, the closing and the history and the background to the shop. 0818 96 
96.96. Does anybody make that uh, that bone soup anymore? Oh, oh, we might have we might know more about the farm shop with the mural in about two minutes. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96FM. It's such a small world, you know. It really, really is. It's not even a... They say the world is a village. It's not. It's a street. I just got a, a message there that there's a connection to the O'Flynn's, to the butcher's. That's connected into my family. And I hadn't realised it. For goodness sake. No need to go into the details. Be boring people with it, but it's... Stop. And speaking of a small world, a tiny world, let's listen to this again. So, I'm in uh, a farm, shop, restaurant, pub, place in near Alton, near the German border in Holland. Uh, We came in here to have a look at this beautiful room. Uh, I sat down right here on this chair and looked up and what did I see? Wallpapered along the wall with the city of Cork. (laughs) So for those of you from Cork, you'll understand the geography from those of you who are not from Cork. The rooftop farm would be located about there on this. So this is the north side of Cork, that's the North Cathedral and we're on the German border. I don't know, there must be a story behind this, why she, Susie has a, a photo of uh, Cork City on the wall, but there are Shandon Bells, you can see that from our rooftop as well. So yeah, a bit mad. She wasn't there on the day that Brian made that video. Um, the staff didn't know the story, but Susanna Rusnink is on the end of line one from Susie's farm. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Delighted to be able to speak to you. So, in your beautiful cafe, bar, and it's... Why do you have a huge (laughs) picture of Cork on the wall? (laughs) It's a bit mad, I hear. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, actually, um, when I grew up, we also have a, a farm, a family farm. Um, and I grew up always with a big brother in the house or bigger sister um, as a trainee Mm -hmm. in our home Um, and most of them were from Ireland and also some from Cork, from Moy so um, from when I was little we always had Irish influences in my family so a lot of music bands came over and they played on the farm Um, from Wexford um, a river dance group came over and they played and um, yeah, so as I said, always a lot of Irish influences. Right. Um, and then um, I wanted to produce with the farm more locally, so we opened this restaurant with a farm shop. And then I said, there must be an Irish pub, because I love Irish music, same as my parents. Yes. Um, and it would be nice if more Irish musicians came over and played on our farm now in the restaurant or in the pub. Um, so we created this Irish pub with Guinness on the tap and... Um, everything there and then we had this ugly wall um, and we thought we need to put something there what has a connection with Ireland um, and what looks very pretty also with the the colouring so we saw a picture 
and we put it on the wall. And I have to admit, that's why also the, the staff doesn't know the story, because we are a little bit embarrassed. We said for months to all the visitors who came, we do the tour uh, around the, the, the restaurant and the pub, and we told them, look, this is the city of Dublin. Oh, you didn't. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> we did. <laughs> and, and then the rooftop farmer came, and our uh, staff also told that group, this is Dublin. And the rooftop farmer said, no, it's not. That's the rooftop farm. I live over there. So our staff said, what city is it? It's Cork, he said. So it was Brian who told your staff? <laughs> yes, yes, we didn't know. You, yes. thought, it was, you thought it was Dublin? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so from now on, we tell everyone this story. How embarrassed we also a little bit are, but people love it. And it's just a funny story. That's brilliant, <laughs> Susanna. So you actually had this Irish city in beautiful detail on your wall. You <laughs> yes. thought it was Dublin until yeah. a rooftop farmer from Cork <laughs> goes over and says, hang on a second, that's Cork. And he tells your staff. <laughs> yes. That's and the staff called me and they said, you don't... Um, you don't guess what happened today. <laughs> As we toured this group, this farmer said, no, it's not. It's not Dublin. I live over there. And he said, I was so embarrassed. But it was also so funny. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Susanna, do you know what? And we do this show five mornings a week, 51 and a half weeks of the year. And I think if we hear a It'll take an awful lot of time in 2023 to beat that story. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> ah, that's fantastic. <laughs> so I hope, and uh, I will invite you also uh, with the radio, just um, come over and uh, have a look. <laughs> Do you know, <laughs> because it's it, also it, a little bit the pub of Cork now. If they would let me, I'd present the show from over there. But yes! <laughs> 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 oh, what a wonderful story. Susanna, lovely talking to you. Beautiful, I, I actually would love a beautiful looking bar and cafe and restaurant in your farm. And what a story. You thought it was Dublin. <laughs> yes, we well, did. Have, and you've never, have you been to Ireland? Yeah, that, that's the, yeah, that's why I'm really embarrassed. I've been to Cork a couple of times, have to you? Dublin. Um, but it was we, it was just chaos when we rebuilt it. It was so busy. Yeah, and then yeah. we said, oh, that's a great picture. We take that one and we put it on the wall. And we actually never checked it where it was, well, but we thought it was it was Dublin. Well, here's what you need to do. Get yourself back to Cork. I know, okay? I know. And then you get a taxi from the town or get Brian or anyone. I'll bring in myself up to where and I'll, I'm going to tell you something now if I was to come out the front door of the radio station and meet you we're less than less than five or six minutes walk up a steep hill to exactly where that view was taken from ah uh, yeah we should we should meet there yeah and it's we'll called Bell's exactly Field and have you ever seen a television show called The Young Offenders uh no look it up you'll find it you'll find DVDs or something or you'll find episodes on YouTube and an awful lot of the young offenders was filmed right looking out over the, our wonderful city from Bellsfield. You've got to get here, we've got to meet, and I've got to take you up and show you Bellsfield and show you the city from up there. Yeah, that sounds great. Brilliant. That sounds Susanna, great. what a wonderful story. Thank you so much. That is Susanna Rusink from Susie's Farm in Alton in the Netherlands near the German border. 
where she taught, this is brilliant, she taught until last summer she had a mural on her wall of Dublin until Brian from the Cork rooftop farm went over, spotted it and said, that's Cork, told the staff and the staff told her. We won't beat that story, lads, for a long time. 0818 96 96 96. There's lots of stuff coming in in response to, and I knew there would be, coming in in response to Fiona's story of being bullied at work. I'll come back to them. Uh, a lot of people out there suffering bullying at work. One word of advice which we're getting from a caller is to go and talk to your GP because your GP may be a, 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 a way for you to start fighting back against the bully. Thanks for that. And I promise I'll get to those comments in, in the fullness of time. Um, we're hearing so much as well about uh, traffic chaos on the roads. Did you see that story? It was in the examiner yesterday and it came up at the council, I think, Monday night that uh, oh, the traffic chaos in Cork City is going to ease. You can be certain of it. It is definitely going to ease in 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 flipping September. I'd, so they're saying we have to put up with this nonsense right through until nearly the back end of the year. And you know yourself, if the council tells you September, that's <laughs> you know the next question, which September? I'll come to that in a while. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, do you remember the Golden Globe speech that Colin Farrell made the other night when he won uh, the Golden Globe for the uh, Banshees of in Sheeran? Well, he was he, he raised the subject of Jenny the Donkey. Now, I haven't seen the movie, but Jerry Jenny the Donkey plays a fierce important role, I'm told, in the Banshees. And he thanked everyone. And uh, lastly, Jenny the Donkey, who is, yeah, yeah, Jenny. And she's having an early retirement because she's still in business. You're welcome to it. I'm one and done, so she's gone. Now, there's a donkey sanctuary, which I do know about. I've never been there, but I do know about it, in Liscarroll. Laura Foster. Hello. Hi. You have invited Colin Farrell to come and meet Jenny's cousins. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, what an opportunity. We, it, we, it would be remiss of us not to invite him to come and see us, wouldn't it? Um, but yes, we were Jenny. I, I should I should stress that Jenny doesn't reside with us, yeah. um, but we we have hundreds of other donkeys that people can come and meet. So yes, we we wrote to him and extended a, a warm invitation. Yeah, tell me the history of the donkey sanctuary because I know it began from small things, but now it's a big yeah. operation. It is. It's a bigger operation than a lot of people um, perhaps realise. So I guess most people will be familiar with our open farm, as, as you say, in Liscarroll in Mallow. And um, that has existed. That site has been a donkey sanctuary since the 80s. The Barrett family established it um, back then. Um, and uh, the the organisation, the sanctuary, became became an official Irish charity in in 2011 and then uh, part of the Donkey Sanctuary charity which is a, a global charity headquartered in the UK but we are a, we are an Irish subsidiary charity so we've got we've got four farms we have um, tons of holding bases and we also have a network of of guardian homes so people who've welcomed donkeys into their into their personal homes um, 
Uh, not in the way I should say that Colin Farrell did in the film. I know you haven't seen the film, but um, Jenny actually does come into the house. Um, we, we assess we assess people who want to um, have donkeys on their land and help them to set up the right kind of premises. And we have over 500 donkeys in those kinds of homes. So we've got 1,700 in total. Um, and if people want to come and, and, and meet them, they can come to our, our open farm in Liscarroll. They're very sociable little animals, aren't yes. they? Tell me a little bit about donkeys. All I ever know is that when I was a child, I I sat on a donkey on a beach in Kerry and went up and down. (laughs) And they're cute. And all I know about a donkey is it's not a horse. So so educate me here. (laughs) Well, that's a very good starting point. You know, we we would say very informally they are not um, horses with big ears. They are very different. Um, They're extremely emotionally intelligent animals, very intuitive. I imagine... A number of your listeners will 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 know that from, you know, growing up with donkeys and um, being surrounded by donkeys because they are so synonymous with with Ireland and with Irish agricultural history in particular. Um, they have we have a tendency to celebrate their stoic nature in society because that's what's made them in the past, you know, so well used as as um, as vehicles really in in industry, particularly in agriculture. But actually, that stoicism can often mask a great deal of pain and suffering. Um, they've evolved to be stoic because mm. they are a prey species. So they've evolved not to exhibit that kind of pain. So it's not that they're tough or obstinate or some of these other kind of phrases that are used to describe them. They're actually incredibly intelligent. They have a very high um, sort of uh, sense of self-preservation. Um, but they're incredibly intuitive animals. Um, mm. and Do they bond assist- to people, Laura? Like, if you yes. have a donkey yeah. on your farm or in your extended garden, if you keep a donkey, like, do they respond to a name? Do they? Yes. Wow. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, there, there's been some research conducted which, which shows that donkeys have roughly the same level of intelligence as dogs and dolphins. Um, so, it, yes, all the DOs, it's funny, isn't it? So, um, yeah, they're incredibly, they, they learn very, very quickly. Um, they bond in usually in pairs, but sometimes in threes. So they should never be kept on their own, and they should ah. certainly never be separate separated. Yes. So that's something so, you would have seen. Remember on you know country drive when I was a young lad, you'd see in the corner yes. of a field, you'd see a, a little lone donkey, yes. and you yes. thought, oh how cute! In actual fact, how how sad is a lonely little creature needs company. Absolutely. Needs company, needs shelter. You know, their their coats aren't waterproof. So obviously the weather in, in Ireland, particularly along the West Coast, where we're very busy in terms of um, our welfare support work, you know, that the, the rain and the, the harsh, uh, particularly during the winter, the harsh conditions really affects them very badly. That they've evolved from dry desert um, conditions. They're really not suited really? to cold, wet weather. Yeah, yeah. What, what's so, there? I mean, clearly then they're country of origin isn't Ireland because we were never a desert that's right that's right I mean um, the, the history of them they were they were thought to be brought over to the west by the Romans um, thousands of years ago 
but they still, their coats, as I say, are not waterproof. So they're, you know, unlike, for example, the Connemara pony, and they're really not suited to being kept in, in you know, outdoor conditions without right. shelter. Their hooves are porous, so their hooves absorb water, unlike horses. So they take a great deal of, of looking after, um, and they're also incredibly emotionally intelligent. So their sort of their mental and their physical health is quite an undertaking, really. Um, so we have our work cut out, as you might imagine. <laughs> Yeah, it's I'm, I'm learning so much this morning, Jenny. <laughs> you know, they're, they're and they are lo- lovely, friendly creatures. That's why, as, as children, we were always encouraged on the beach. The the guy leading the donkey would give you a bit of sugar. Was he doing the right thing? <laughs> Did they like a bit of sugar, like, or would they prefer well, an apple or something? <laughs> <laughs> we we have quite a lot of we do quite a lot of education with with donkey keepers about about feeding. It's incredibly important not to not to feed donkeys the wrong the wrong foods because they obesity is a really really common and very serious health problem you see them with big bellies um, that's right and you you even have to be careful with 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 grass with pasture because it's incredibly sugary and rich and obviously it's abundant in Ireland and so you know we, we help people to understand that actually you've got to limit grazing um, straw providing their teeth are healthy is always the best type of feed rather than hay um, because it's fibrous and it enables them to break down food slowly yes. over over a long period because they, they need to be grazing constantly. So if you're giving them very sugary rich food, um, they're just going to put on weight and their their teeth will get very bad and then they're they're unable to feed properly. So yeah. there's a lot more to them than, than people I'm, realize. But as, as it was, I'm learning, as I'm learning here. <laughs> <laughs> it was so lovely to see Jenny, the donkey in, in the Banshees of Inisherin portrayed, you know, that, that that aspect of donkey's personality, their connection with humans and their their empathy, you know, that was for us, that was so beautiful to see, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's by all accounts, it's a lovely relationship they have. I must watch the film because the, I know it's going to win yes. more. It's going to win more <laughs> and, and we'd, we'd like to have seen it and it's on the Disney stream so I must watch it at the weekend Laura I am definitely one of the things I'm going to do when the weather gets a little bit better because I'm, I'm like I'm, a, I'm like the donkey I can't deal with this weather right? <laughs> <laughs> I have to wait for it to be warm and dry oh, but I will I yeah. promise you now during the, the course of the spring or the summer we will come up uh, and my daughter we is, is a veterinary nurse and we and she's going oh. to love we will we will have a day in Liscarroll with the donkeys definitely on the plans oh, for the summer we would love that All right, well, we, we make... would love that please do let me know when you're coming we'll, we'll, maybe we'll come we'll we'll the same day as Colin whatever about Colin I'll be yeah. there <laughs> I don't know it's probably a very I'll bad second best but we'll try <laughs> I think he might be a bit busy with Spider-Man but we'll see if he responds alright Laura thank you very much and continued success for the work of the donkey sanctuary uh, in, in Liscarroll where they have their open farm there are 500 donkeys god Thousands of them, actually. Thousands of them. It's brilliant. Thank you. And uh, during the summer, I will head up. And will I bring a camera? And will I bring... I might even bring a tape recorder. We'd never know. You'd never know. Or, well, we don't. You, you know yourself. Um, oh, that's, that's, on, that's on the plans anyway. That's on the plans for some weekend in the spring and summer. Heading up to the Donkey Sanctuary. 0818 96 96 96. 
Cork's 96FM loves Irish music. As part of Irish Music Month, this March on independent radio across Ireland, we want you to take part in our local hero talent search. If you're in a band or solo artist, you could be featured live on Cork's 96FM. It's your chance to win an overall €10,000 prize fund. Get your record released and have your music played on 25 independent radio stations across Ireland. For full details, see 96FM.ie. Irish Music Month this March. Proudly supported by Hot Press, IBI and the BAI Sound and Vision Fund on Cork's 96FM. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Now I thank my lucky stars every day that I come in here in the morning before traffic has a chance to build up. I'm usually coming in up the quay at it would be maybe seven or five past or maybe ten past seven and just before things get really mucky and messy I've got my little parking space uh, not far from here at uh, at 96FM but there is a thing called the Global Traffic Scorecard of which you might or might not have heard it's not a thing you'd pick up on very easily it's called the Global Traffic Scorecard and Cork is now, according to the 2022 scorecard, the 71st most congested city in the world. Now, when you think of the number of cities in the world, that's fairly high up the charts. The 71st most congested city in the world. And there's all sorts of change and all sorts of variations and all sorts of new traffic arrangements have gone into place in the last 12 months and if you ask me it's just continued to get worse I told you before Christmas of coming out of the everyman on a Tuesday night at 10 o'clock and my car in the car park there by the hotel came out onto the quay into a flipping traffic jam at 10 o'clock at night we spoke to Derek a taxi driver about all the changes to the bridges and going over the bridges and not being able to go over the bridges come from one direction or the other. We've had countless delays at the tunnel and Cork's traffic is a mess. And it comes up at council meetings and has come up with them most recently where they were told at the council meeting everything will be sorted out. Everything will be grand, lads. By September... For the Yale Councillor Des Cahill, which September? That's the first question. Morning. Morning, PJ. Um, after that introduction, I almost hung up uh, <laughs> because this, uh, there's no doubt the traffic is 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 dreadful at the moment. Uh, and we did ask at the at the at the last roads meeting, the director, when will the, the works be finished and when will the this new plan click into place? And we were told September, uh, this coming September 2023. So to, to put a bit of meat on that, I suppose, what it means is that all the bits of projects that are going on in different bridges and different keys and different roads, when one of them is finished, it doesn't, necess- it doesn't really fix the problem. It's only when all of them will align and lock into place as such will the system work, fingers crossed. That's the plan and all the models modelling has been done. Um, and that's when that so none of it won't really see a whole pile of improvement until then. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I I came out of the Everyman at ten o'clock at night into a traffic jam on the quay. That's that is that going to ease, Des? 
I would hope it would. Now, myself, I've experienced similar uh, late in the evening after being at a show or whatever like that, and you're going, why is there so much traffic this hour? There's a few things that are going on, I suppose. One, I'm just reminded of it because I'm trying to teach my daughter how to drive at oh, the moment. Oh, God bless you. I did that myself. I am that soldier. Yeah. And there's apparently five times or four times as many cars on the road now as when I drove or learned to drive. So the volume of cars has increased dramatically, um, which doesn't help. But I think a big problem we have in Cork, and this is, you know, we're very bad at this in Cork, is the yellow boxes. That yeah. They, 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 you know, I mean, I was at Brown Brew, that lovely little cafe in Brown Brew Street only this week. And every set we sitting out with a friend and every time we looked, every second series of lights, somebody was blocking the yellow box at the end, which was preventing the bus from turning. Yes, yes. Um, I had put a motion down that we would put cameras on the lights, on the junctions with the lights. And apparently there's a disagreement between the Gardaí and the council, the local authorities as to who would own the data. Because oh, they say they can't do it in Ireland, even though it's done in the UK. You, you mentioned Brian Brew. Now, there's a the thing. Uh, I'm mm. not old enough to remember when it was two-way before, but it was two-way before. So when yeah. it became two-way again, everyone said, ah, well, it was two-way before. It was two-way when there was not a fifth of the number of cars mm. using it. And, and my fear is that you'll have some dirty, filthy, dark morning. You'll have a tip a quarter of a mile away. And before you know it, the whole city is gridlocked because you have too many cars going up a bridge that weren't built for them. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree to work. We all have concerns over it. I think I've only used that one way twice because I did comment about two months ago. I said, are they trying to prevent us from traveling to the north side? Because I said, coming from the south side, the keys are congested so badly. I, I joked to somebody, well, I'd well, be better off going through Blarney to get there. Um, but I went up Brian Bruce Street one of the days. It worked very well the day I went up. Um, but I do know from people living in summer on, on the St. Luke's side of it, it's made it very, it's, it's lengthened the time considerably for well, them to come down from St. Luke's. Well, if you look at it again, Derek, a taxi driver who I had on the show here, the, the fact that they can't turn at the top of Brian Baru Street to go down to bring people down to the train station and to bring people down to where you moved all the bus stops, they have to go all the way around the big loop and up into McCurtain Street. That's delaying people. People are jumping out of taxis now and running across busy traffic lanes rather than get a taxi up to the bus at the train station. That can't be working well. No, and this comes into, this joins part of the argument that when the whole system is, is joined together, that it will make sense and it will work. Um, but there's no getting away from the fact that the part of the purpose of this is the same as every other city across the world, is to reduce the amount of cars going into a city. Yeah. So the orbital route around the city, which this is now doing, has to be, has to be, has to be orbital. It can't be just one ways, et cetera, et cetera. So this is the purpose of it. Um, it's extremely frustrating for everyone. I mean, I, I'm fortunate, I suppose, if I'm going from town, from Ballon Temple to town, it's not very long. But to be honest, half the time now I walk or get the bus because of Albert Road. Yeah. I don't want to be sitting in Albert Road for 15 minutes. That, that's fine. Um, Walking and getting the bus is great, Des. And we but I'm some... lucky enough. I live close yeah, enough. And I live on two fantastic bus routes. And I, yeah. I can, if I, unless I'm actually driving into town for something related to work, 
I get the bus. I, it, it's, yeah. But not everyone is as lucky as I am or you are to live so close. Mm. So you're trying to keep the cars out of town. That's fine. But the public transport isn't really up to scratch just yet to do that. No, and it's, it's the same with the parking laws. So a new building being built uh, isn't allowed to put a fraction of the cars that an old building was allowed to build, even if they want to put them underground. Um, I mean, we've seen examples about that with apartment blocks that have been built, but also offices. Yeah, and you can't and bring your Wilkes groceries on the bus, like. That's the thing. Or you can't put no, your well, Wilkes groceries on the back we, of your bike. No, we can't expect to build build an office block for 600 people and put 50 car spaces in it and expect everyone else to get the bus when the so bus can't get there So what's going to happen, Des? What is going to happen? Because you say, well, they're, this, they're telling you September, and that sounds great. I jokingly say, which September? You know and I know. You know and I know, Des, it won't be all hunky-dory on the 1st of September. What no, and, to, and, and bear in mind, this is only the city centre bit of it. This oh, is the last bit of it. Sweet God. We're facing a decade of bus connects. Oh, don't. Uh, pull it, pulling up John Spillane's every... cherry trees to build bus lanes. Don't even go there with me. Yeah. So, uh, does someone inside in the planning office or the traffic office, does someone hate motorists? Hate cars. I mean, the other thing that drives people mad is footpaths mm. big enough to play a match on. Why? Yeah, we've questioned this, and we have the same now with 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 argument with bus connects. But they want to the Bourne Manor Road, which people across the city will be familiar with because of Parky Ring. Um, they want to widen it further. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I was talking to a man before Christmas, and and there's a <laughs> but there looks at the map. There'll be a bus stop in his kitchen. And when you look at it, there's, there's no traffic jams on the Bourne Manor Road. It only happens when you get to the link road at the end. So so a lot of it doesn't make sense. The bus connects is a different argument, slightly. Yeah. The new maps will be out in March, so we'll see what amended version they've okay. come up with next. Yeah. Well, they, 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 um, you see, there's another thing I, as well. There's no silver bullet for this. The, yeah. the, the works in the city centre will be done <laughs> two, by September. If there were silver bullets, Des, I'd be ducking because they'd be putting them in somebody's yeah. But so on a serious note... Getting a date mm. like September, and I joking about which September, is all very fine. But really, I'm old enough to remember, and you are too, the Lutz mm-hmm. plan. And under yep. the Lutz plan, we were to have four park and rides. What mm-hmm. happened to the other three, Des Cahill? Have we, can we forget those <laughs> we, now? We have continually been refused funding uh, for them. Not only that, Bus Connects, they come up with the Bus Connects again because they're part of that now. So now they've been pushed into that envelope. Um, and they're saying that there's no point building them unless they've built the bus corridors first. Oh, help. I'm not convinced with that because I think if they build the park and rides far out and you can get buses from there, you'll still reduce drastically the amount of cars going build, in. Build the park and, and rides and open them further. at 6 a.m. and you'll cut the number of people driving in in a heartbeat. Well, it, Apparently, PJ, you, you and I both have the same opinion, but the powers that be in the NTA think we're wrong. Oh, and they're insisting on doing it the other way. Oh, for the life of me, I don't understand why. Oh, Des, no. thank you. No good news, unfortunately. No good, no good news. But happy birthday. Oh, stop, will you? Stop, but thank you. Okay. Thank you. I, I try not You're to welcome. count them at this stage, but thank you very much. Des Cal. no good news today. With regard to traffic, 0818 96 96 96. Which September will it be? And he said the NTA don't agree. But what the parking rides in there now? 
Sorry, I haven't got better news for you on this fine Thursday morning. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. The CSPCA will be holding a free volunteer information evening on Thursday the 19th of January at the CSPCA facilities on the Link Road, Mahon Point. If your New Year's resolution is to volunteer with a charity, now is your chance. Join this information evening and learn all about the CSPCA, their mission, the animals in their care and how you can help them. The information evening begins at 7 o'clock and more details can be found on cspca.ie or eventbrite.ie. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Corks 96fm. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Oh, it's 96 FM. That's a snooker match. I will look at this afternoon if I have enough opportunity. Ronnie O'Sullivan against Mark Williams at the Alley Pally. It's a really loud venue for snooker, but it's brilliant at the same time. Looking forward to that. Speaking of which, good news last night, I got a message from Stephen Hill, dad of Cork's Aaron Hill, the breeze, to tell me that Aaron has qualified, I'm delighted to hear this, he's qualified for the Welsh Open. He beat Tom Ford. Now, if you're following Aaron's career, as I am, Tom Ford beat Aaron in the Northern Ireland Open earlier in the season. So, a little bit of revenge last night and now he's qualified for the Welsh Open and I do think he'll be on television when that comes on which is great to see and also he'll be taking part in that one shot ten or that one frame ten minute shootout event coming up soon and also trying to qualify for the Crucible uh, later in the season of the World Championship so big big times and exciting times ahead for a young hard working snooker star Aaron Hill from Cork. 0818 96 96 96. Speaking of sports, staying with sport. Premier League Live back with you this weekend at 96mm.ie with Trevor Welsh and the team. Starting Saturday at midday, powered by Talk Sport. Live coverage of the Manchester Derby. That's at half 12. Brighton against Liverpool at 3. And Brentford against Bournemouth at half past 5. The Premier League Live online brought to you by Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. Listen on the app, the Corks 96 FM app, or go to 96fm.ie to follow it all. 0818 96 96 96. Let's come back to traffic and my conversation with Des Cahill before the news at 11 telling us. <laughs> I don't even think Des believes it himself from the sounds of him. That will all be grand. Everything will be fabulous, traffic-wise, by, sep- by September. I-, I don't think, excuse me, I don't think Des believes it. Do you believe it, Shona? Morning. Uh, morning, absolutely not after last night. What happened last <laughs> night? Um, myself and my parents were out for a meal in the elm tree in Glendon. And on the, yeah, very nice. But on the drive back between... There, you know, the uh, old Ibis Hotel. Yes. Yeah. Between there and Glanmire, we got a puncture. Okay. But it wasn't just a regular puncture. The, it, the wheel was shredded, and we weren't the only car. We yeah. saw one car pulled in ahead of us, and by the time we eventually got a tow truck home, there was about seven, eight, maybe nine cars affected. Yeah. 
This in the road there's, now between Glanton and Denmark. Yes. Yeah, and you had to there's get you two, had to get a tow truck. Yeah, you had to get. Is that because you have one of these modern, whatever genius, whatever brain yes. of Britain decided to start giving out new cars with no spare tire in them, like? No, this or this, and we looked at there's that spray stuff you can put in to kind of hold yeah, you over. Might as well be. And might as well be throwing water at it. That's it. It'd be fine if it was only minor, but this was not minor. There's road works going on there, and it looks like there's a trench across the road. Oh God. That had been filled in loosely, and then obviously with the rain and that last night, washed out. So everyone that was hitting it at a certain angle, coming, we figure, from Blountown towards Glanmire, oh, tyres oh, were getting burst. There was one fella there, two tyres were gone. Oh, no. Yeah. Even if you had one spare tyre, what do you do with the That's other it. one? That's it. It was, it was crazy, because every few minutes there was another car pulling in, and the lights flashing because their tires were gone. Oh God, yuck! Yeah, uh, and, and it's not—it's not cheap to get yourself towed. And, no. and of course, when you, if you go down that hard on a bump, you're, you could—you could, you could um, damage the actual structure of the wheel itself. And you oh, could. God. Yeah. But now, one good thing is, with a lot of people says their insurance, and I don't know how many people know this. If you ring. Through your, through your insurance, they can arrange breakdown assistance and roadside assistance. Oh, they can. That's covered, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. So we were able to do that now last night. But even then, we're actually out towards Fermoy. Yeah. And we could only get a tow as far as Rakormok. Now we rang friends to get us the rest of the way home, so that was fine. But... Yeah. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be the case for everybody necessarily. That's true. That's true. Shona, thanks for that. Got loads of cars damaged by that. And there's a thing, and just in passing, and look, I have a cousin in the motor trade, and I know people in the motor trade, and I'm just wondering why it was that in the last few years, some genius decided not to put spare tyres into cars. I remember I drove a car when I was in the newsroom, lovely little yoke and that didn't have a spare tyre in it and I discovered that one morning when I opened the back of it to change a puncture my own car that we have at home we discovered on on the road down from Dublin after getting off a plane that it didn't have a spare tyre what's that about would someone please tell me totally different thing I know but there you go Anthony good morning sir how are you keeping Good. Listening to Des Cal, what do you want to say? Yeah, I've listened to Des Cal there, and he, and he seems on about the cars and traffic. And he's on about bus directing, getting the new bus lanes and whatever. I just wanted to ask him one thing. What if a person came over with, say, Duns there in Merchant's Key and had 10, 12 bags? You're going to walk onto a bus with 10 or 12 bags? You can't, no. no. You know, like, it's, it's ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Like, what they've done, they've ruined the city. They've really, really ruined the city. Look how many businesses are after closing in the city itself. Yeah. And when this thing is done, you'll see, mark my words, how many is going to close. Do you know what I mean? No, there's like, an argument, Anthony, that says there are major cities the world over that are keeping cars, keeping the domestic car out of the city centre by adjusting how traffic flows. So we're not alone in doing this. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I really hear what you're saying. And, uh, but still, you look at the amount of businesses and the amount of pubs, the amount of uh, shops that have closed down there in the last... Uh, I don't know, COVID might have had a bit, a bit uh, to do with it, you know? 
But still, like, is people going to get on the bus when they do their shopping in there? And, like, they want to go in for a coffee, have a cup of coffee, or do something, look around the town. Then their 10 bags of shopping they can't put into their car, if you know what I mean. It's, yeah. They yeah. route they want to keep cars out of town. It's, it's, they want to start getting the cars into town, not out of town, to make sure people have jobs coming up, you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people do think said. like that, Anthony. I did hear, yeah. I think Leicester, I think the city of Leicester, they have a clever idea where a number of the shops now, they can take your bags of shopping and they have a little van and the van it's will deliver the bags of shopping to the park and ride for yeah, you. Well, listen, that's a great another, idea, you know. There's another business there for somebody that wants to take it on, you know, so like that, that's kind of, it might create jobs, but then look at all the jobs that I lose. lose. That's, that's all I'm saying, you know. It's, okay. I think I think they ruined the city. What they did, uh-huh. I really like. There's, there's nothing wrong with the way it was. There's nothing wrong with it at all. You, you want stuff. If you let the time you're stuck in traffic in there now, you never stuck like that the way it was before. That's and all the shops, all the shops were booming. You know. That's true. That's true, Anthony. Enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six to something else entirely. Mary, so many people sick. The whole house at home was sick over Christmas and New Year. Herself was stretched. I mean, she was really sick for a few days. Um, the boy got it in his chest. I got it first in my chest and then the rest of me. My daughter got it. Um, and we were all sick to various levels over the Christmas time. There's a shortage of Calpol and paracetamol and other such things because so many smallies have the snuffles and the snots and the colds and the shivers and everything. There's three or four different things going around. There's a flu going around. There's COVID going around. There's RSV going around. And adults are getting RSV. We're all banjaxed. It's a rough winter for sickness. Mary. Are they Hi, not uh, making any equation between the respiratory illnesses and the fact that we're all being told not to use tumble dryers? We're all afraid to turn them on. We're not heating our homes to the same extent. We're compromising you're sitting down on a chair with a blanket over your leg instead of turning on the okay. heating and things like that. I think I missed the start of what you were saying there. I didn't hit the button in time. Yeah. So you're saying it's oh, because sorry. we're not... We're, it's to, you, you're well, tying it, it in with the energy red, crisis, red, aren't you? Well, like, the thing is, the number of people who are drying clothes on their clothes racks inside in their home right. rather than turning on their tumble dryer. That is wet, damp, moist air cold by the time it's out of a washing machine and on a rack yeah. going into your, the atmosphere in your house. You're breathing that cold, damp, moist air into your lungs. It's falling on your soft furnishings. You sit down on your damp chair. It's like not no, maybe noticeably damp. Yeah. But it's not been dried out. Your heating isn't on. Or even if it's on, it's heating or the clothes or whatever are still admitting that moist air, like we've, you know, your windows, you notice more condensation on your windows. You yes. A little bit of damp air or the wall is a bit, Black you know, spots. when you touch it, that kind of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's there. It has to be connected. That's interesting. A lot of condensation. A lot of condensation. You know, your bed isn't being, air, it, like one of the, like we hardly ever turn on the rats in your bedroom because you just go up, get, get dressed quickly, jump yeah. into bed. You know what I mean? But, we would normally, I suppose, always have had, you know, the upstairs lads on for a couple of hours yeah. every day. And yeah. 
you know, we may or may not, like kind of thing, depending yeah. on the weather outside. On a day like today, do, like do, that, do you find, no Mary, cold. that you're not opening? And my wife used to always do it, and I used to be slagging her about it until I realised. Oh, don't open the windows. The importance <laughs> of ventilation. You're not. Yeah. You're not leaving the windows open to vent the room, to air the room, as they say, because then you have to warm it up again. Exactly. Or if you leave it like kind of thing, I tend to, you know, you'd go out, you'd, forget, you'd, leave, me, me, you'd need to leave it open for half an hour and go back upstairs and close it, and you don't, and you go upstairs at five o'clock in places like the Arctic Circle. You know, but it's just the dampness has to be, the dampness that is in our homes because of the energy crisis. It has to be related to all these respiratory illnesses. Mary, I think you're after hitting a nail on the head here. I do. You know, and surely it is cheaper for people to heat their homes than to be visiting doctors and plugging up the health service. Well, there you go. Mary, fascinating point. Okay. And I wonder what people will think. So Mary reckons, because we're all minding the few quid on the gas and the electricity and the heating and the tumble dryer is one of the most expensive blasted things in the house. It eats electricity out of the wall. Our houses are damp because we're drying clothes on clothes horses and all that. So there's damp in the air and with damp comes condensation and of course all of these viruses love the damp. And they love that old horrible, cloy, dampy air. Mary seems to have a very good point. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96 on traffic. Oh, spare wheels. Thanks. Trevor was on. Trevor's the mechanic. He said, you'll see on the media a lot now that cars makers don't put spares in to cut the cost or to save on fuel. In actual fact, says Trevor... It's a safety reason. Oh, really? There were numerous incidents of people not putting wheels on correctly and having accidents as a result, some of them very serious. With the sealant or the get-home wheel, people know they can only drive about 20 miles an hour until it's fixed properly by someone who will air hose and properly attach the wheel. You see, Trevor, that's a very good point. What happened to the old skills that, as a driver, I learnt to change a flipping wheel? It's the most basic skill a driver, male or female, should have. It's one of the first things you should learn as a motorist, is changing a wheel. Yes, you need to be careful about it and you need to get the damn thing checked and properly tightened after you put it on yourself. But surely changing a wheel is a very basic skill that any motorist should have. I know this, Trevor, because I've done it enough in my years driving to and from gigs up and down the country, the number of nights I've had to change a wheel in pistons of rain at 4 a.m. But that's a skill... (sighs) Yeah... Thank you, Trevor. Thank you for that. Tom says, those of us living in the city and have cars, we've no facilities whatsoever now. Sometimes you need to use a car and it's a nightmare. The model is based on people living in the suburbs, shopping in the suburbs, and maybe catching a bus to work in the city centre. Yep, 
PJ, Gerald Griffin Street is a disaster now, from another Tom. Cars scratched, wing mirrors broken. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Thank you, Jaron Mallow. Jer texts in to wish me a, a, a happy birthday. Uh, and thanks also, Emer. No, you're not a terrible colleague for not mentioning it. I, I kind of keep my head down now. When you get to a certain stage in your life, you keep your head down on your birthday. <laughs> then again, there is this motto that I learned years ago, which was, well, getting older is compulsory. Growing up is a choice. So choose well. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork. 96 FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. We really are calling on the international contingent this morning. We were in the Netherlands finding out more about Susie's farm and we will podcast that because it's a fabulous, fabulous story about how Susie's farm has a picture of Cork, a massive mural of Cork on the wall but they thought it was Dublin we'll podcast that later on, that's a great story and we heard from Luxembourg the Cotters in Luxembourg Uh, Good morning PJ, my wife, a native Corkonian and diehard rebel and I would love to visit Susie's farm would you please repeat the name of the village? It is Alten, A-A-L-T-E-N. And she has a website. It's www.susiesfarm, with a Z, Susie's with a Z, farm.nl. We'll bring you right there. Uh, thank you for the, from the Cotters in Luxembourg. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the place in Luxembourg, so we'll have to make do with that. And now I'm going to Sweden. To talk about Moosey, Moose, and Hugge. So what? Philip O'Connor, morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you keeping? I'm all right, man. I'm reading articles the last few days about Hugge, Moose, and Moosey. And it's all about different ways to be comfortable and cosy. And apparently the Scandinavians are the best in the world and the Swedes are better than the Danes. Tell me more. I'll tell you what, you're ringing me at the perfect time of the year to talk about this, PJ, because it's so cold and it's so dark and it's so miserable. And they have so many different words for these things, as you mentioned there. Mys is the Swedish word, right? M-Y-S. Hygge is the one that gets all the attention in the media down in Denmark. And then Kus in Norway is the big favourite there. They also use the word Hygge, but Kus would probably be a little bit more popular. And it's all about creating comfort in yourself and for other people. And, you know, it's really 
really hard to describe it because it's sort of a feeling. It's almost like a state of mind where, you know, the only way I can describe it to men of the age of myself and yourself is, you know, when you sit down by the open fire in a pub with a pint of stout and maybe a small one on the side, or maybe the snug is free some evening, you go in there with somebody you really like and get along with. So it's like that, except you usually would do it at home. It's about creating an environment at home that'll help you get through the long and the dark and the cold winters here in this part of the world. I see. So make, in other words, making it cozy. Cozy is the word I'm looking for. Exactly. Cozy is the word. And at the same time, it's not just that, right? Because part of it is the environment, but it's also the experience. And it's who you share it with, if you share it with anybody at all. So mis in particular in Swedish would be something that would be shared. And they actually have an expression here called fredas mis, which is mis on a Friday, being cozy on a Friday. And usually that's a social thing. So the whole family might get together and watch a particular TV program. They might eat tacos for dinner. And then you might have, you know, a box of chocolates or whatever to be shared and you might get the candles out and that kind of thing light is very important here obviously when it's so dark during the winter so it's not just about the physical things it's also about who you spend this time with I see see. you're you're big on your Mexican and you're now I love a taco and Mexican is very (laughs) warm Mexican's great winter food it's great warming food it's beautiful altogether. Well, that's one of those things that it actually comes from sort of convenience as well, because it's very quick to make. You take whatever's in the fridge in terms of tomatoes and cucumber, and all that, chop it up, fry a bit of mince, a bit of herbs and that. So it's it's very easy to do on a Friday. And that leads you into your weekend then, like to a family weekend or a weekend that you can do with friends, you know. Now, the Swedes aren't great drinkers. They wouldn't go the way you and I would to the snug maybe on a Tuesday if there's a game of football on the telly. But they might crack open a bottle of wine on a Friday evening and have maybe a glass or two out of that you know so really a lot of these things they are about creating that social context another one in in Swedish to do you'll hear the word very often is fika and fika is both a noun and a verb and it basically means having a cup of coffee and something sweet with it but again it's all part of that mish thing it's about creating an environment where everybody feels that warmth both in the environment itself but also the friendship and the family that goes around those things Is there there a pennies in Sweden because I imagine there's a market for fluffy jammies like nobody else ever thought of Oh, look at it. We have Ikea here and that's where you'll get all the, the, the tea lights and all the candles and everything else like that. And as I say, the light is very important, PJ, because when I get up this morning at eight o'clock, it's pitch black. Yeah. And, you know, in two or three hours time now, it's what, lunchtime in Sweden. It's about half twelve now as I'm talking to you. And in two or three hours, it'll be gone again. And you know what? It's just been grey all day. There's no sunshine or anything. Oh, I know. So light is very, very important. So as soon as I'm done talking to you, I'm going outside to get a bit of daylight. But here in the little studio I have here in the centre of Stockholm, there's light all over the place and you know the big light you would have had in the middle of the ceiling in the mother's house at home right yeah. that's not enough you have to have lamps and you may as well throw an L-scented candle in the bathroom there because God knows that could be needed as well you know so all of those things come from Ikea and then the indoors it tends to be quite warm because buildings here obviously you'd have to build them and, and isolate them and make sure that you keep the heat in you know mm. so the pennies pyjamas there's not a huge market for them just yet but I have to say my girls now when they get their pennies pyjamas from Nana in November every year they're delighted with them all Yeah, so that's how you create this hygge or mis, as you call it, in your little studio. Exactly. So I. Yeah, I, I have my lamps on here and that kind of thing now. There's very few candles here because I do be here on my own, you know, but you try to give it that little touch because if you don't, I found when I moved over here, PJ, in 1999, the first winter was miserable. And you know what? You never really get used to that darkness. You know, I was only God, in Dublin then the weekend. I hate, I hate the dark, Philip. I'm literally counting down the days until I'll see sun in the morning. 
when I'm coming into work. Yeah. I hate this. Like, you say it's pitch black. What time did the sun rise up this morning? Oh, God, it wouldn't have been until about nine o'clock. And I'll tell you what, PJ, the further north you go, the worse it gets, right? So there's Irish boys and girls working away, way, way north of here in a place called Lulio, which is up near the Arctic Circle. And they basically won't see daylight now from October until about St. Patrick's Day. And they get up in the morning, it's dark. They work all day, it's dark. The sky gets, if they're lucky, the sky gets a little bit blue, but mostly it's grey. And they're working through the whole time there. And it really can add to the sense of loneliness and the sense of isolation. So whereas we might... I yeah, we might I, laugh about this idea of mice and higgy and that kind of thing, but it's actually very important just to oh, keep I'd, you going. I'd, you know? be, I'd be washing down the Mexican food with neat whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one or two people choose to do that. We always advise the Irish community that, you know, you're better off to meet up with one another and to share that little bit of warmth, you know, to maybe get the Barry's tea. The Cork people would always have the Barry's tea in the bag with them, you know, sit down and share a cup of tea. I was out yesterday on the way home from uh, from the studio here and I dropped into a young lad from Swords who plays football over here. Indeed, he was offering me a, Barry's, a cup of Barry's tea whilst I was there. So it's very important because obviously when it's cold outside, you don't want to be putting on your winter boots and your big jacket and going down the road and that kind of thing. So it is very easy to become isolated, no more than it is in rural Ireland, because, yeah. you know, who wants to be going out in the rain and the cold and that? But it is very, very important to find a nice warm environment, to find an open fire somewhere, but also to find somebody who makes you feel warm. And that's a big, big part of Mies and of Higgies, who you share these things with. Yeah, you, you, and you, you make up for it because the summers are nice. Well, this is it. Like, so, you know, the day I got married on the 21st of June, right? And uh, it was the day that England were beaten by Brazil in the World Cup. So I always say that was the best day of my life, but I never specify for what reason, right? <laughs> but the sun never went down. So we were able to go swimming in a lake by the place where we had the wedding reception at four or five o'clock in the morning, you know? And this is the difference. So you really do get the four seasons throughout the year. You'll very seldom get them in one day, as you might do in Cork in September or October. But you do make up for And then it's the absolute opposite. You won't hear people talking about Hygge in Denmark or me in Sweden at that time of the year because they're all out and they're fishing and they spend as much time as they possibly can outdoors. You'd, you'd want to try booking an interview with somebody in northern Norway in the summer. You can't get them for days on end because they're in some cabin somewhere fishing, you know? So it's much easier to get them at this time of the year. But it really is a case of adjusting to your surroundings and that can be the hard part when you're living away from home, maybe in a, a remote part of Canada or, you know, up in the north of Sweden or that. But if you just pay attention to what the locals do and what's on the shelves of the local IKEA, you usually won't go wrong if you manage to do that. All right, Philip, good to t- t- catch up as always. Philip O'Connor, an Irish Irish journalist based in 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 Stockholm, in Sweden. I think he went there. Did, did he go there for three months or something? Twenty years ago or something like that. Thanks, Philip. So, hygge or mis is light and hot cocoa and chocolate and Mexican food or a good damn good curry. And there's a reason why, when you sit down on a Friday night, because they have a word for it, sit down on a Friday night with a big bowl of curry, watch the telly with the fire lit. Now, I hate winter with a passion. But we don't get the kind of winter they get over there, thankfully. 0818 96 96 96. Thanks, Philip. Mick in Balafahan was on. PJ, the changes in traffic are all part of Agenda 2030. Okay. To reduce the use of cars, it's agreed at the UN, and there's much more coming. People should read up on it. Thank you, Mick. Hi, all. 
The traffic situation will not ease because the council is deliberately slowing up traffic by simply not putting back the yellow boxes at the junctions. So the traffic is stopped in the junction and nobody can move. Just look at the junction between Parnell Place and Merchant's Quay, says John. Well, the one that Des was talking about is at the end of Brian Bruce Street there in the centre lane as you're heading out of town. There is a yellow box there. And if you drive into that yellow box... You block the bus from turning the corner. And that's why it's so important not to go into that. The reason for the no spare tyre is cost saving. Imagine you produce 100,000 cars. That's 100,000 tyres, jacks, wheels, etc. Plus metal fabrication. It makes the car lighter. Basically, it's money. I disagree with Trevor. And that's from Kevin. Is that our Kev who works in in the tyre business? Because I know he does. Maybe it is. Um, Yeah, well, Trevor's idea that people weren't putting them on properly and having accidents, I can agree and disagree. This was reported on Glenmire News Facebook over the holidays, the punctures, warning people about it. As it happened to someone and the council did nothing about it, claim from the council for the damage to your tyre. I've heard of people doing this of going away and getting the tyre fixed and you might have to get the rim of the wheel fixed and God knows you might have to get the axle fixed if you got a real bad bang and they bring the whole lot out to the council and they might even pop into their solicitor and get a little letter written and pop it to the council to try and get their money back because the council left the road in a in an unsafe condition. Does anyone is anyone listening who's ever tried that and actually got it sorted? Eh? I'm back to Fiona from earlier on and we'll podcast this interview from earlier with Fiona who was the victim of sustained workplace bullying and eventually ended up in hospital and had to quit her job and all of that and she went through in detail what she was subjected to and, and how she suffered as a result. Very emotional chat we had earlier on this morning. On the back of Fiona's bullying story, can you tell listeners... If they're struggling with bullying or with life in general, please talk to your GP. I was in a job I hated and every day I was thinking like if I put my car into the crash barrier, sure no one will miss me. My life will be over and I won't have to struggle. It's an awful way to be thinking. Anyway, I didn't because I hate pain. I was afraid I might survive. Long story short, I got marched by my hubby into the GP. Seven years later, I'm in a better place. I have my own business. Tell listeners they're stronger than they think. Just get help and the pieces will slot together. And that's from someone who'd rather not give their name. And I appreciate that too. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I had a job in retail and I loved it, but I also had a general trend of finding the vulnerability of people and playing on it. They make light-hearted comments and you're waiting for them to say it. I loved the job and I researched and I researched. Don't respond, just take control and be assertive and say it's not funny. The only ammunition a bully has is your response. It may get awkward, but they'll have to back down. I guarantee it'll work. Oh, I see the point you're making. That if you don't respond to a bully, they have no fuel. They have nothing to jump on. And it's so hard not to. But if someone's bullying you, you you turn around and you tell them it's not funny... Or you just don't respond at all. And then they have nothing to go on. 
yeah, the only, I, lo- I like that line, the only ammunition a bully has is your response. If you don't respond, they have no ammunition. Thank you. On traffic in the city, no, I didn't know about this, Paul. Paul says, would you believe there was a pop-up tent in the middle lane at 7 o'clock on the Christie Ring Bridge last night? Don't know if there was anybody in it, but everyone was trying to avoid it. You mean in the middle of the bridge, Christie Ring Bridge, there was this pop-up tent? And... Crikey, 7 o'clock, does anybody see that? 0818, 96, 96, 96. On the electricity bills, now this came in earlier on, I apologise for holding on to this, um, because I'm not entirely sure what's going on here, but maybe someone can identify. Morning, is there any chance on your show today you could address how the Electric Ireland bills have been taken in full? They didn't take the 200 from the government into account in this bill, even though it's been credited since 3rd of January. If you wanted to pay a bit of your bill off in that time, you'd be well able to do it. So why was the 200 and the 50 bonus not applied? It's an awful sting for people who thought it would be applied against their bills. That's interesting. I was only looking at my own bill yesterday. I cleared my electricity bill last time out, and I just noticed that yesterday the credit has job has dropped, so my account is in credit to the tune of two hundred. I don't know what my bill will be yet. I'm due to get that early next month sometime. And we know it'll be a proper stinger, but the two hundred will take some of the sting out of it. And of course with direct debit, that's the problem now with so many suppliers. With direct debit, they take the whole damn thing. So a big bill can be a right chunk out of your bank account. Thanks, John. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Now, CJ McCarthy is looking for support. And he's looking for support as he prepares to run a marathon. He prepares to run a marathon to help the CUMH. Because two years ago... His little daughter, Lauren, uh, her life was saved by the wonderful people at the CUMH. And she was such a tiny little baby when she came into the world. And I'm seeing a picture of the two pictures, one of when she was only days old and she was tiny, really, really tiny. And then a picture of her sitting at home with a big smile on, on her little face. She's she's coming up for two, and she's such a a bonny little thing, CJ. Morning. Yeah, she's great to be honest. You know, she's at two on, on, on Sunday. Yeah. So tell me about her and how she came into this world a bit suddenly. Yes. So as in, um, my wife was above uh, having her anti anti D injection at thirty one weeks, and um, a midwife um, found an abnormal heart heartbeat. So. Um, with that, um, as in Aoife was 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 brought down to um, to see what what kind of kind of sort of a scan done, and from there, I suppose we two 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 days later, um, we'd have an emergency uh, C-section, and yeah. um, she came out at three pounds. Frightening time for everyone. Yeah, it was it was you know it, it was it was a very sort of hard time, um, and uh, look, but thanks for God, we're we kind of come out the other side, and and look, you know, we're here to kind of tell the kind of tale. Yeah. How, 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 how lucky we are, you know. 
We often talk to, to mummies who've been through this, but, you know, daddies generally don't talk about it. I mean, how, what, what's it like watching? And you're totally helpless, like. Oh, you are. And suppose, suppose, for us too, it was because it was during COVID. Um, so I suppose when she was in the neonatal ward, um, as in we couldn't go, go, go in, in together, we'd kind of take turns. Um, I suppose also in, in there, it's a very, very busy place. Um, it's a place where there's a lot of noise. And um, for me, you, know, you, you can't really chat to other parents because they're busy too, looking after their babies, you know. Mm. Um, and you know, for me, really, I suppose, you know, it's in, when I seen that the, the, the uh, CUH was trying to raise funds for this, um, I said, look, definitely, I come on board and I can do what I can for, for them, you know. Excellent. She was si- she was six weeks there, so you got to spend a lot of time. Yeah, six weeks there. Um, and tell me about this project. This this is something special that they want to do. Yeah, so as it might be asked, because kind of two key areas. Um, so I suppose the first part is the neonatal sanctum for seriously ill mothers and babies um, in palliative care where they can go. Um, and I suppose that would be kind of, I suppose, kind of a quiet place to kind of give them, I suppose, uh, kind of a glimpse of nature and, and I suppose kind of, kind of, to, kind of, to, kind of to create, cherish m- m- memories. And then secondly, there's going to be a kind of a parents' room, which uh, will be a private area separate from the clinical setting, I suppose, to give parents some time out to make a cup of tea or a coffee, have a chat with others, going through the same, 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 same kind of thing, you know. Yeah. But this isn't a medical facility you want to fund. This is a personal facility for those very personal moments. Oh, definitely, you know, and, and no, I suppose everyone has their own, I suppose, story to kind of tell um, of how hard it kind of can be, you know, but um, look, I suppose look, we're kind of here to kind of tell, kind of tell how lucky we, we are, you know. Yes. Did you, uh, did you, were you nervous at any stage that, that, sh- that she mightn't make it? Oh, definitely. There's, you know, there was times there where, you know, it was very, very kind of challenging. Um, it was one step forward, two steps back with her progress. Um, because she was tiny, she was really, really. T- yeah, three pounds size of, of of my hand, um, and uh, it, you know, it, it was it was it was very very tough at times. But look, um, we had great support from our, our families, um, so it it, it was so it kind of made that a, a bit easier, you know, sure. for ourselves. She, she's fantastic now. She's full uh, full of fun, I'd say. Full 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 of life. Um, full life. Um, she's great, you know, and uh, she's she's flying as in as in she lives she lives lives life to the full. Good. She's great, you know. Good. How long are you running marathons? You've run six or seven of them at this stage. Well, well, yeah, well, I suppose I I did run. I suppose as in I did not running in my twenties. Um, done seven marathons between Dublin, Cork, London, and then obviously I suppose work life, um, as in family life took over and didn't do a whole pile PJ. Um, but then I suppose as in. Um, so when this ha- happened with, with, with Lauren, um, I, I don't know, for me, I said, you know, that when, I, when I, I did get the opportunity to kind of give back, I, I would. Yeah. And it was always kind of back, back in my mind, you know, I said, you know what, I'll, I'll go back running, do a marathon for the CMH, and here I am. Yeah, and the plan is Paris. When is it on? Yeah, so Paris, April 2nd. Um, so 11 weeks this Sunday. Um, so as in pretty much back in training. Um, and it's great. Um, I saw it, and my kind of plan I was supposed to is to kind of keep the head down, get the kind of long ones in on the weekend, but also to kind of try and raise as much money as possible um, I can for for this um, cause. What what kind of time would you do for a marathon? Well, I suppose well, I have have a kind of run one in 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 um, in ten years, but I suppose I kind of all my kind of, kind of last seven marathons were all under four hours. Um, so look, hopefully I'll probably aim for kind of something similar again. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So there's a fundraiser 
uh, on idonate.ie to your name, CJ McCarthy. It'll bring you to the appropriate p- page. And you're taking donations right up into May. Yes, yeah, that's the plan. And you know, PJ, you know, for me, you know, if if, if anyone all could could spare a few euro, because every little helps. Yeah. Um, and you know, for me, really, it's you know, we have a great facility in Cork. Um, so for me, you know, and in fairness, they they they're up there, they're they're miracle workers, aren't they, CJ? Oh yeah, unbelievable. You know, as in for me, I guess, as in you know, as in the work they do is just unbelievable. You know, it's 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 top class. Um. And, um, you know, as in, as in for me, as in, I can't thank him enough. Yeah. Well, off you go. 2nd of April, my man. Thanks very much, PJ. Do what you thank can. You. I donate.ie and CJ McCarthy and we get to the appropriate page. Good luck with the training and good luck with the marathon when it comes round. Thanks very much, PJ. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers, CJ. Good luck with it. You're a better man than I. I couldn't run a marathon. I could barely run a bath. 0818969696. The worst Irish accent of all time. This just came up. I have a few of these before we go. We'll come back to it tomorrow. Um, what's the worst Irish accent you've ever heard on screen? This comes up after the Golden Globes and the Banshees of Inishiran and all of that and the accents on screen and why it always seems on television or in the movies that they just can't get an Irish accent right. There is a reason for it. There is a technical acting reason for it. Particularly when you hear an Irishman. I mean, an Irishman like like Pierce Brosnan for argument. Like, why, why is an Irishman like Pierce Brosnan Sounding so lousy. This was a movie called Taffin. What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here! Yeah. Now, it was it was a good movie, but the accent was terrible. And Pierce Brosnan's an Irishman. So why the hell was that? Probably the worst. Certainly Julia Roberts in, in, um, in Michael Collins was dire. But then poor old Julia struggles an awful lot with the Irish accent. Oh, it's you, is it? Butler's night off, is it? What do you want? A word with a gentleman. Which one? Harry Jekyll, of course. If I never saw that other devil again in my life, it'd be too soon for me. They're both in the laboratory. That'll do as well as anywhere. As a rule, the doctor doesn't admit visitors when he's working. There you go. Dreadful Irish accent from Judah Robert. Far and away. Like, far and away, you sat there watching a lovely movie, beautifully filmed, really well put, and they're going, oh, my God, the accents. Enough. Your money in their pockets and nothing more, Joseph. I said that. That's enough, Shannon. They pickle you like a piece of pork. We're just using you. I said that's enough. Ah! 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 No! 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 Tell me, tell me you like my hat. You're not wearing a hat. Say it. Say you like my hat. You're not wearing a hat. Say it. <laughs> the reason the Irish accents are so dreadful, if you ask an, an actor, is because, and particularly an Irish actor, and my, I mean, Pierce Brosnan is an Irishman, but if he performs as an Irishman in his own accent, the Yanks can't understand it. Ross Brown was telling me a story about when his Amazon comedy special, which is brilliant, by the way, was being subtitled. The number of times that they rang him to know what he was actually saying before they wrote up the subtitles. So they do have a problem with our own natural 
accent. I, now, with Sean Connery, now Sean Connery always sounded Scottish, even when he was trying to sound Irish. You said you wanted to know how to get Capone. Do you really want to get him? You see what I'm saying? What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. Yeah, that wasn't great. And also, the American Gods, this is a movie I haven't seen. And with these vo- with these accents, I don't think I want to. I see McGowan. Do I know you? You might say that you know me. Oh, you're an Irishman. That I am. A man of the mounds. Oh, God. Or rather, that I was. But now I'm here in this new world where nobody puts out ale or milk for an honest fellow or a loaf of bread come harvest time. If you are who I think you are, I have no quarrel with you. Nor I with you. <sighs> Although it was you that brought me here, you and a few others like you. Oh, my gosh, in this land with no time for magic, no place for fairies and such folk. Why, you have done me many a good turn. <sighs> good and ill. Or like the wind, we blows both ways. How gorgeous was that? That's the worst I've ever heard. Of all the accents I've ever heard on screen, that's the worst. But the reason is, our own accents have to be Hollywoodized, because the Yanks, who are the biggest movie market in the world, can't understand us when we speak in our own Irish accents. That would seem to be... <laughs> but that's... Br- Fergal Barry, where did you drag that out? That's... Brutal. That's dire. Like, that is just awful. I'd say that you know me. Oh, you're an Irishman. That I am. A man of the mounds. Oh. Or rather, that I was. Oh, God almighty, that's terrible. I can't... I'd be hearing that in my sleep tonight. Thank you. The programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation. It starts again tomorrow morning, just after nine. Cork's Gold Imro Award winning sports show. Right, right here, right there. The score on Cork's 96FM. Join me, Trevor Welch, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sport as we focus on a busy day of Premier League action with a big focus on the London Derby, Tottenham versus Leaders Arsenal. Right here, right there. Join Trevor Welch for the score this Sunday from 2 p.m. on Cork's 96FM.